Welcome to the Plexus Secondary Education School Leadership Podcast Series. We are excited to have Bruce Kelly, President of Rainier Christian Schools in Seattle, Washington, as our guest. Welcome, everyone. We're very excited to welcome you again to our Plexus Secondary Education Leadership Podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Bruce Kelly from Rainier Christian Schools. Welcome, Bruce. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Davis. Great to be here. I'm really, really glad to have you. And uh, Bruce is the president of Rainier Christian Schools. Um, and, you know, as as we kick off our conversation, I was, you know, of course, perusing the website because we all know the website is where everybody goes to get their information, no matter what today. And it's like you have six schools, six different programs or schools, you could say, that are part of Rainier Christian Schools Right. which is one of the larger Christian school organizations that I've seen as far as a combination of various schools. So as a president, you get to oversee a lot of different components of the education of students. Uh, I do, all the way uh, from our one-year-old uh, preschool classes up to our, our high school seniors and transportation, budget, uh, personnel, uh, fundraising, uh, everything that um, eventually crosses my desk. Good or bad. So uh, that, you know, you're in charge. Uh, uh, everything rises and falls on what you do. So it's really important to really stay abreast of all the, the things that happen. And so it's great. It's great to be in the role. So I love it. It's been a good fit for me. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's a great way to start, too. And, you know, we always love to hear your story about how you ended up where you are. I mean, sure. where, like where you grew up, what what inspired you throughout the years, mentors, you know, kind of your journey to becoming the president at Rainier Christian. Yeah. So there's a, that's a really uh, trying to find a good entry point there, but uh, also <laughs> just professionally uh, I've been involved in uh, education, my entire professional career, uh, 36 years. Um, I really wasn't interested in being a teacher after my student teaching experience was not so much fun. Oh yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, my first job out of college was at a Christian school in Tacoma, Washington. I spent four years there as a ninth grade teacher and uh, got a pretty good taste of what that was like. And uh, for the next about 25 years, I was in public schools in a K-12 mm. environment. So served okay. in different roles. I was a secondary science and math teacher for about 17 years, worked as a central office administrator for the fourth largest school district here in the state of Washington, overseeing the science and health and fitness programs uh, for that oh, district. Wow. Um, I served as a content specialist for our, it's called an educational service district. And basically we provided deliverables uh, to any one of 45 school districts in that five county region. So all okay. things around teacher development, uh, principal support, uh, instructional practice, technical assistance and writing lesson plan, whatever, just whatever they needed. And, uh, and then uh, right before I landed at Rainier Christian, I was a high school principal uh, in Seattle at a sort of a school of choice. Uh, and that was a, just a really powerful time of learning. Uh, we were really closely tied to working with business and industry okay. in the aviation and aerospace industries. So that was uh, right before I, uh, there's a little, little gap in there, but that was my last uh, role right before landing at Rainier Christian. I noticed that you, the Raysbeck, is it Raysbeck? Is that saying that correct? Yes, Raysbeck. Raysbeck Aviation High School. My, as I mentioned to you, my, my brother lives in Seattle and 
Um, his wife's son, I believe, went to an aviation high school in Seattle, and it might have been this one, come to think of it. That would be it. There's, there's <laughs> but, so, that, yeah. That's the one, and I think he's actually working at the airport and uh, maintenance and stuff now, so he's... All right. I, I'll have to tell him that I talked to you who actually worked uh, there. You, you know what year he graduated in? You know, it might have been right around that time that you were there. Yeah, I was there from uh, 2011 to 2016. See, because I was helping, I could tell you more about it. It was really interesting because I, you know, I, family members, of course, I helped them go to school and his sure. his other stepson, I helped get to Washington State, figure out his engineering stuff. So it's just interesting. I'm like, well, hey, aviation. And just, in, again, a little side note, I studied aviation science in college. That was my background. So, of course, I saw aviation and zoomed right in on it. <laughs> now, are you a pilot as well? Say that again. Are you a pilot? I'm not. No, I did the uh, private pilot ground school uh, okay. you know, while I was there. And uh, my dad was a private pilot. Uh, but I found out I really like flying low, like in a car, uh, more than... <laughs> Uh, more than up in the air, so boots on the ground. I like it. Yes. And you've been at Rainier for five years, and so yes. you you started pre-pandemic and had a few years in there. Yes. How? What has that five-year journey been like? Because you know we kind of look at even even in careers like, hey, what's your five-year plan? What has been your five-year plan? <laughs> yeah, the pandemic. Uh, boy, the the cool thing about uh, the pandemic for me is uh, really required authentic leadership. Uh, mm -hmm. There was not a pandemic playbook uh, to lead a nonprofit or a Christian school during a pandemic. Uh, so you had to lead. And uh, that, uh, you know, you, when you made a decision, uh, you had to be pretty thoughtful about the potential impacts on all the different families that we serve. Yeah. And you know, the thing that, the thing that, and I'm not, any uh you know different in this that all leaders learned that it didn't really matter what decision you made you were going to alienate or frustrate or maybe even anger up to about half of your population so i think that the real challenge just for me was about there was a period of time in the pandemic when our governor or the uh, washington state department of health or cdc changed guidance almost every two weeks Oof. Wow. Okay, masks, masks are not required. No, they are required. Oh, you have to do this. Oh, the social distancing is required. How's your contract tracing going? And have you noticed? I mean, it was just, it's like a whipsaw effect trying to navigate that space. Yeah. And so, so one of the, you know, one of the, you know, big leadership lessons is how out in front can I get with the communication and can I be, mm -hmm. and so everybody's settled about this is our response to the latest guidance. So I'm thrilled to hear we really haven't had any new <laughs> knock on that yes, wood. That's right. Full years loosened up quite a bit. It was definitely, uh, it was just a great time to be a leader because you had to lead. Again, there's no playbook. Here's step by step. This is how you go through a pandemic. Uh, here you go. There wasn't anything like that. And uh, so I, that probably works for my personality a little bit better because it was pretty ambiguous. And I, I'm pretty comfortable there as a leader. I mean, I don't want to be be ambiguous, but navigating ambiguity, I'm I'm okay with that. And I think leaders have to sift through all that and be able to provide uh, clarity, uh, comfort, and a yeah. sense of calm 
uh, when you know all that chaos is happening. So um, that that worked for me. I don't need to redo it. Um, I don't need a, <laughs> I don't need a do over. Uh, yes. It was just really clear to me that if if you're going if you have a situation that so many external factors that you cannot control, how important it is to lead well. True. It's really, really important, right? Any captain looks great in calm waters, That's right? True. That's the easy stuff. The, everybody looks good, but what about when the waves are raging and the, the winds are howling? How well are you navigating and leading your organization? So that was, I'm not going to say it was fun, but there's a, there's a twisted satisfaction in leading an organization through that and doing, oh, yeah. doing so that really calms everybody, cares for everybody. And, and, and just, we're going to, we're going to be okay. And so. I like to hear that. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a big deal uh, as a, as parents, you know, as we're all parents, just trying to figure out, like I said, which direction are we going? Mm -hmm. And with, with the parents and the teachers, how do obviously your job is obviously reaching the community, the teachers, everybody, everything goes to the president for the final decision. Yes. If, even if you don't do the day to day, that decision comes through you. With the teachers and the faculty and staff, how did you know how did you handle them and encourage them and support them through the process? So we I early on I decided that we were going to select a certain uh, agency to follow. We had the CDC, we had the Washington State Department of Health, we had King County Department of Health, and uh, and this is no criticism on any of those agencies, uh, but sometimes the counsel that was coming out of there was conflicting. We had the Department of Health saying one thing, but King County Department of Health said something else, or CDC was saying this. So I had to, you know, just to keep my sanity, I had to select one agency to basically ride through the pandemic. And when gotcha. they, I, I just couldn't manage, I couldn't sort through all of the, because it was a volume of information coming out. I mean, almost daily from those, those uh, health organizations. So selecting one was probably, a, you know, and in, in hindsight was one of the smarter things. We're going to, if this is what the CDC says, this is our path forward. And that's what we ended up doing. That's smart. So I just had to select one. And I, and the other part was really communicating that here's how yeah. we you know. I think one of the other leadership lessons and this learned a long time ago is um, uh, often there's a dis decision has to be made a or B and whatever one you make uh, one of those groups is going to be disaffected or unhappy. And so my goal was never uh, to please really anybody, but was to help them understand how I got to the decision. If I got there, this is how I would know. Uh, and this was, this happened many times, uh, especially when I was principal. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I really disagree with your decision, Mr. Kelly, but I understand how you got there. Perfect. Cause then I could go home and sleep well at night. So sure. that was my goal was just to basically get people to understand the, I was really deprivatizing my thinking and making my thoughts visible. Here's how the process, how we got here. And uh, I know you may not agree with the decision, uh, but it is mine to make and I have to sleep on it. And if I made an error, I will let you know, but here is the decision. So uh, that, that stance about, can I help people understand how the decision was arrived at? So that's been always my, 
I guess, guiding star for any time I have to, you know, get to a decision that's going to adversely affect most likely some part of the population or whatever. So that's how I, that's how I get it. Right. Do they understand how we got there? And that's, and then I move on. I guess is a principle that you've been is that, that one engaging with curriculum and training and also all those pieces that influence you. Um, do you find what, what do you go to, to continue to be inspired and, and keep that, you know, very centered, calm sense about you as you work with incredibly complex issues because people are complex, right? That's the big, I find that to be the biggest challenge in life and the biggest adventure of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the, the trickiest, uh, trickiest part of the thing. I think uh, the first part is you really got to figure out what your center is. Yeah. You're going to be a leader. What is your center? Uh, and, you know, from there, the spokes emanate out and you um, are congruent with your center. So for me, uh, it's definitely my personal relationship with Jesus Christ that really anchors me. Uh, you know, that's nurtured and sustained daily just through prayer, reading the Bible, fellowship with other people, worshiping God. And that offers a perspective that's, it's not just this life, right? It's not just about right now. There's something that's coming after this. And so that perspective uh, keeps my feet pretty planted, right? I mean, it's just like, hey, um, I heard this uh, quote a long time ago, nothing gets by God's desk unnoticed. And so um, if I really study the theology of God's sovereignty, when bad things happen, uh, the scriptures are pretty clear that at, in God's economy, those things work together for good. Now, I'm not, I'm not dismissing tragedy or saying that, that uh, hard, hard things happen, but through, through those really difficult things, um, really trying to find, so there's a purpose for that. I may not understand it on this side of heaven. And that's, that's really where that trusting God's sovereignty comes in. There's things that have happened in my career, especially when I was a principal that happened all in a period of about three months and really difficult time. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're the leader and yeah. you have to navigate your team through all of those things that happen. And, and I, you know, understand it, you know, diverse people on my staff, not everybody's a Christian when I was at uh, public high school. Uh, but there's, uh, there's still a resource I have to draw upon that can be comforting to other people, calming other people, right. and, you know, God's spirit and characteristics of God's spirit line up, right? Through the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are really great attributes for really any leader. And, uh, you know, those, those aren't for me. Uh, those, those come from God's spirit you know, at work in my life. So, so that's one of the big influences. And then I really like to have, I have a, what I call my board of directors. This mm -hmm. is a school board, but people along my professional journey that, um, that have brought a perspective that I didn't have. And I really like it, the smarter they are. I'd love to surround myself with brilliant people. That rubs yes, off. Right? Agreed. It just does. They're just things that they glean and, and help me out. So if I have a question on about research and data analysis, I know who my go-to person is. If I have a question about marketing and, and that type of stuff, I have a go-to person for that. I've always had, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So 
it's uh, kind of weird that I'm a president of a Christian school. <laughs> now, when, I, know. when I came to know Christ at 18, I, I had a close relationship with the pastors of that church. And ever since then, I've always sought out wherever I attend church. I always have a close, try to have a close relationship with the pastor. Yeah. And just that's been, that's probably, I can track back to the last, you know, 40 years that these influential people have helped my spirit, uh, helped me grow. Uh, and they always had a lot more wisdom than, you know, than I did. So I just benefited from that. That is good stuff to draw on. Um, and I think as leaders, whether you're a new leader or you've been a leader for a while, we never stop growing and learning. Absolutely. So, you ever read Henry Nowen? You, you ever heard of him? I've read bits of that, yes. He, he had this book I read many years ago when I was at Fuller. And he had a question for the Abbey leader. It was upstate New York where he spent a few months. And he's like, well, these people are picking rocks out of this river. Why, why are they so joyful and happy? He's like, I can't pray while I work. This is crazy. And the guy sat back and he said to him, the Abbey leader said, you know, it's not about praying while you work. It's making your work your prayer. There you and go. that stuck with me as an individual to go when everything is reflecting that. It changes your whole perspective on what it means to even do work. Yes, that that's your daily, it's your prayer all the time. So what conversations and interactions, and, you know, in traffic. <laughs> Especially in Seattle. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but far from it. But I, it's always fun to share that kind of wisdom back and forth that way. Mm -hmm. And with with your schools, like, like I mentioned, you have many different schools and people at different levels. I even saw that. I don't know if you're still looking for a new principal for one of your schools, but obviously bringing people into the fold and raising them up. How do you, what do you do with your principal to support them and help them through their levels of engagement with everyone? Yeah, uh, so that's a wonderful question. So I really have three different teams that mm -hmm. I support directly. So there's a district office team. Uh, there is a middle school, high school team. These are sort of administrators or the uh, key support staff. And then one of our elementary school teams. So part of that is uh, we calendar meetings uh, with a very clear agenda. It always starts with prayer, has a little scriptural read in there. And then I, about three to five days before them, they get a professional article to read hmm. prior to the meeting. So I will draw upon... Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, uh, distributed leadership. So sometimes I'll send them an article about that and they, they have to pre-read that article. And then I foster a conversation uh, with our team about what were the takeaways for you from that article? Because I have to try to stitch the team together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here, uh, we have uh, three or basically three new people on one of the teams. So oh, wow. we're going to go back to Bridges's work on transitions and so how do you navigate transitions those three, uh, I guess, realms or phases people go through? That's actually going to occupy the first couple of weeks of our meetings that there'll be a professional reading around Bridges' work. And then we're going to have some conversations about what's your loss as you step into this role? Yeah. What are you losing? And, and it's just helping 
just a big believer when people begin to understand one another and understand some of their sorrows, um, understand some of their sense of loss, understand what their joys are, that really begins to knit the team together. Um, and so I have a sequence of professional readings that I take my staff through and it's dependent upon observing, you know, having those informal conversations, any kind of weird event, like, Hey, you've got three new people on this team that don't know each other. How are you going to bring them together? And I, I first, yeah. think, well, I kind of go back to a previous comment. I want to find out where their center is. Mm -hmm. Where's their center. And can they share that with each other? Cause we really have to, the work is challenging. The work is hard. So we have to make sure we are operating as a team and we are trying to optimize that. Yeah. So that's a thing. And then the other little trick I use on every single meeting agenda, there's a placeholder called other question mark. And I ask each person at the table one by one, which is there anything else, right? Bill Hybels church in uh, Southern California. It's called the, the last 10%. Why was this church growing so fast? He trained his congregation to share that last 10% of stuff that often kept something from happening and getting people comfortable enough to share that final 10%. If I don't get that as a leader, I'm likely spinning my wheels and wasting people's time. I have to have that authentic discourse. Um, I really need to know where your center is. Yeah, yeah. Impacting you. So I have some strategies cobbling that together. It's you know, the context is dependent upon partly the people, the circumstance, uh, just what's going on, the culture, all kinds of stuff, but really try to personalize that. And then if I'm really just bold and brave, I'll ask them. So uh, as a result of this meeting, what is one thing you're going to leave with that you will share with us? Because again, yeah. the agency of bringing people together, we have to make our thoughts visible to other people. We have to, we have to do that. So so that's how I, like I do that. it. So each, actually, I just actually worked on that today. So what's the, the first five of those meetings? What are our professional readings going to be for each team? And uh, so I'm excited about that. And they're excited, right? Because they haven't had that before, especially down at one of our elementaries. They haven't had an opportunity to actually have a professional reading mm -hmm. and a conversation with leadership. And that's, you know, they're, they're pretty excited about that. So... I mean, that, that is different. You don't often hear about that with that kind of engagement, that kind of encouragement, because yeah. I, I really like what, what I'm hearing you say is you're trying to help them think about things versus telling people what to do. You're teaching them how to think and really understand themselves and the way they interact with that. I love that. That's a big deal. Yeah, I'm, uh, I really bought into the distributed leadership model. If I've hired you in a, in a role, a leadership role, I'm deputizing you to lead that way. And so this is what I often share. This is what I often share with my, especially my district office team. Um, you're, God has gifted you in this area. Maybe it's accounting, maybe it's operational uh, analysis, maybe it, whatever it is. Will you uh, just run with that and show me what you can do? Yes. And I got to tell you, I, I, and I want them to know, I do expect that you're incubating new ideas about how to improve things. Please come in and tell, because I'd love to get to yes, right? That's my stance. Or how close <laughs> to yes can we get on this? I, I'll start with that. Because when you, when you have that as your focus, how, how do we get to yes on this? Or how close we'll talk? And it, yeah. just, it just, instead of saying, well, no, 
I, I want to train my leaders. No, your first response should be how close to yes can we get? Let's let's focus our energy, our time, our you know our thinking around getting the yes. I love it. it's positive. It opens up possibilities. It energizes people. I get the best out of the, my my direct reports, and they feel empowered. Right. They just feel like, oh yeah. my gosh, I get to do this. Absolutely. And so I just get so much uh, out of my teams by. You know, my, and they know that I'm not, this isn't a cavalier comment for me. I'm 100% authentic and genuine. When I say, I want to get to yes on this, let's figure it out. It just changes everything. It just changes, it changes the climate in the room. And and uh, so anyway, I just. I yeah, that it. does change it. I like that. It is very positive and encouraging and it gets people thinking. I mean, exactly. that's what I hear you saying over and over with your leadership and discussion even in the pandemic and and the positions that you've had throughout your career have have really you know lended it to that with your leadership and the way you engage and encourage and that's that's impressive to me that's very impressive when you talked about what you've done with you know the public school district now you're in the private school christian school totally different environments but yet the single focus is education right that's educating people in a way to help them be better for themselves. Teenagers, as we know, that's, that's always a challenge. But I, the, the reason I mentioned that as, a, as I asked other question is, you know, I have, well, not any longer, I have four teenagers at home. So you are, you need to be awarded <laughs> at least a digital badge for that. <laughs> yeah, there's not a moment's rest, but I also love it. It's part of, part of the joy and, you know, whether I know they're thinking about it or not, the hope is that I can at least be living that kind of example for them. That sure. They can take things into consideration and, and be thoughtful about their decisions more than anything. And as you look at your curriculum and your education that you have throughout your, like you said, one all the way pre-K through 12, do you, do you find the continuity with students staying in elementary, going to middle and high school and following that track. You know, I love to talk about retention, of course, enrollment, it's, it's all part of schools. We talk about the numbers, but there's people involved in those numbers. It's, the number just reflects really the outcome and the daily process of what you do. How's that stuff going with your, your schools, retention and enrollment? Are you growing? Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a great, so there's a lot of thoughtfulness behind all that. So. Yeah. Um, I think the way that I, when I arrived here, I uh, detected there wasn't a coherent and comprehensive focus throughout our district mm. around that model. And it's not to cast a shadow on anybody who was before me or anything like that, but I just, I just had come out of an experience where that was well in play and I saw the impact it had on students' lives and their learning. Okay. So I basically went to the board I put together two proposals that coincided. One was the idea of creating a makerspace, a steep makerspace environment starting in grade three that had a vision statement that went around the idea that God has given everyone a gift. And our job as a school is to nurture and develop that. So mm -hmm. students to engage in these five different domains starting in third grade. And I want them to find out what they're good at. So the time they leave elementary school, I'd be able to ask them this question, hey, what are you good at? Yeah. And instead of hearing the answer, oh, I'm not good at anything, or oh, I don't know, 
I want them to be able to cite with evidence, I'm good at this because, and here's an artifact of my learning. So that then trickles up to middle school and high school where they now begin to make informed decisions about their electives based on their strengths, not on their deficits. So what are you good at? We wanna nurture and develop that. So coinciding with that is I'm a, I really enjoyed the work. Um, we took the career and technical ed model at Raceback and applied it to the professional careers for oh. ABA aerospace. Yeah. So I really like the career and technical ed focus. So I, what I changed or tweaked about that is it always began with a career cluster. What is it you want? You know, what's the career cluster you want to aim for? I said, well, I, I think for a young person, it would be better to start with their interests and gifts first. Uh, yes. Let's do that. And so we adopted, I just, you know, came, I was, it had the ability to decide this. So we adopted five interest and gift pathways for our high school students. So okay. one was ministry, education, and public service. That was an interest and gift pathway. Arts and communication, STEM and manufacturing, business and entrepreneurship, or trades and transportation. So it's, and we want our students to be thoughtful about of those five, what would be your strongest? And there's a series of exercises students engage with that forces them to say, of these five, this was my first choice. This was my second choice. This was dead last. I want gotcha. them to. And so when they, when they finish those inventories and they look at the course catalog, now it's indexed to those interest to give pathways. Well, this should be the elective that you're taking or the core academic classes you're taking because that aligns with your interest and gift pathways. Mm -hmm. So we're not a public school, so I can't do all 16, you know, national career clusters. Right. So I, I had to make it work for, you know, our smaller school. Um, and that, that put everything together. So starting in third grade, I want kids to begin thinking about, hmm, what am I good at and what evidence can I cite to uh, not just make a claim, but to have evidence that I'm good at something. So, uh, so we adopted that about, uh, well, three and a half years ago. So I'm really pleased with that. Uh, as a result of that, um, uh, we, have a, we have a subset of students that are very interested in the trades, automotive, mm -hmm. construction, and uh, as well as college, and I don't have any more facility space. So for this year's auction, I'm gonna go uh, toward our community and say, I'd like to buy a class A motorhome and retrofit it for a mobile CTE lab or interest and gift pathway lab. So we can teach you those skills. And maybe I already have a teacher ready to do one component of that. And I have to move it because I can't leave it parked at our high school campus all year round. And so I'm, I'm just trying to get, you know, how do you get to yes on that? Well, yeah, yeah. so that, well, I can't afford another building. Uh, I don't have enough money to build another building right now, but what could I do in the interim? Ah, I could do a mobile CTE lab. That's that true. Yeah. Kids could show up. We can gut it, fit it with all the equipment, supplies, and if we have enough tip outs, we almost could make it a small classroom. You know, after the uh, earthquake in Haiti, I saw some brilliant teachers used hmm. damaged school buses for their classrooms. And I thought, that is smart. If you can, if you can do that with a broken down bus, what could yeah. I do? With a class A motorhome. 
as long as, you know, just moving back more. So anyway, more, that's really my, for this year, pushing on that, because I always ask, so what's your funded need going to be for this year? And so yeah. I build this career and technical ed mobile lab uh, to basically provide uh, courses that I can't provide right now because I don't have the facilities. But I can get to yes this way. That's true. Uh, I actually, yesterday, I had the conversation with a teacher who wants to teach the construction class. He goes, I would love to do that. I'm already in. And uh, so. I mean, there you go. I mean, like you said, how do you get closer to yes? You, you thought about a way to make it work. And now you have a teacher who's willing to do it. That's yeah. pretty darn close to yes. <laughs> That's really close to yes. And, and it sounds like with your, your board, um, they, they think similarly from what you're saying too. They encourage you that way. And when you look at, your relationship with your board, you did talk about it briefly earlier. And, you know, as, as we finish up our discussion, I was thinking, what would be a good way for us to thinking about the next three to five year vision? Because you have, I like, you're like, I can get this done now. I can get yes now. When you look at three to five years, what are some of the things you want to get close to yes on within that realm? Well, it's quite a long-term vision is uh, we have an eight acre parcel uh, in our, can't do that we own. And the long-term vision is to actually build a permanent middle school, high school on, on this parcel. Actually, I'm at that campus today. And I've already met with the city of Auburn uh, and hmm. posed this option to them. I said, our parcel, our eight acre parcel is zoned uh, for industrial. Would you be willing to do a parcel swap because this would be more lucrative for your tax base in exchange for something that's zoned for education. And in their Washington state, there's separate statutes for elementary, middle school, and high school construction. So I went down three. Because when you get high school, right, you have more kids, half your population's driving. That's so true. You have to have more parking spaces versus elementary school. You don't. So there's just all these little tiny rules, but um, I posed that to the economic development manager. Uh, and so he said, I'll tell you what, I will look for six weeks. We'll meet again. At the end of six weeks, he came back and said, here's what I would do with you if I were you. I would build where you are, but I would build up. We love where you are. You have access to the freeway, uh, transportation. Uh, we like your vision around a uh, multi-purpose event center because we don't have a medium-sized venue where we could bring our residents together in case we had a presentation to make in the oh, north wow. city. Okay. So this was the idea I was pitching to them. I said, well, we'd like to build a multi-purpose event center because right now our little gym that we have on this campus, it's rented out five days a week. We have so many community groups wanting to use it. And it's just this little gym. I mean, it's nothing to you know brag about. We keep it nice, but it's not a full court like high school basketball, volleyball gym. So that's the big vision. Uh, we hired the same outfit that uh, designed aviation, Racebeck Aviation High School. I worked with them from the blueprints to the final occupancy permit for the elevator uh, to open that building. And I brought them back uh, to Rainier Christian and did a feasibility study of what it could look like tied into here and you know, got the cost estimate for that. And so I have a lot of work to do because school construction uh, it's about $425, $450 a square foot. And uh, just a small cost. Small amount. You know, I figure, you know, if God wants it, it's going to happen. And I, that's, the, how they, that's how the school got started. There was a group of 
uh, pastors from the Maple Valley Ministerial Association back in the 60s who believed God wanted an interdenominational school in this region. And so their congregations began to met on Sunday afternoons and walked around the fence of a site and just prayed, God, would you provide this parcel for our school? Every Sunday they were out there like the walls of Jericho. They just kept praying, walking around. So it all came to a head. The colonel, because it was a Nike school base, was talking to the lead buyer at the Kent School District. Hmm. Colonel turned to them and asked, so what are you going to do about the sewer? And no one in the Kent School District had an answer. But the Rainier Christian contingent that was following just behind them, one of them spoke up and said, well, here's what you would do. You would put a lift station down there by the well and pump it through the two-inch water line out to the sewer off Petrovsky. And the colonel turned to him, and because that person had the right answer at the right time, at the right place, Rainier Christian Schools got that property. And that, to That's me, amazing. if that, to me, is instructive, if, yeah. if the school began by prayer, then the school will continue by people agreeing in prayer to see what God can do. Prayer can do what God can do. So uh, that's, that's so true. Praying about that. And, you know, if God uh, brings that, uh, maybe it's after my time, but I'll do the work that I'm supposed to do. Um, yeah. and, and so we got the study done, feasibility study done. We had the renderings done. I mean, okay. Was, you know, how do you get to yes? Well, you got to get started somehow. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. And it's not a quick process. No. It's, it's slow for good reason in many ways, but uh, it also teaches us, like you meant, as leaders or individuals to be slow in a different way, encouraging while painting the future that may or may not happen, which which can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like you said, you yeah. kind of handed both. Well, you know, I, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, David? I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little better. The time always goes by so quickly. Yeah. There's so much more to, to talk about and discuss, and we'll definitely have a follow-up because that would be a lot of fun. But I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure to be on here, and it's always good to uh, uh, reflect a little bit on you know where you've been and where you are and where you're going. And uh, we're working so fast that you have to be deliberate to do that because it yeah. doesn't happen, right? cannot work the job. So this has been a good exercise uh, for me to hit the pause button for a moment and, and have a chance to share. So thank you. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.